Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love Radio Show. And today's show is a little bit delayed because we've had Mother's Day and a few other things going on and today's show is a Thriver Show and the lady that I have on the show today is Lori and Lori has actually done an interview with me before, before they were structured Thriver Shows and we're going to be putting up the link to that original show in the blog article if you actually want to listen to it. But it was a show that Laurie and I did way back in September the 6th, 2011. And the reason why I'm doing this show today is because I have had some uh, emails from people and they said, well, okay, we're getting recent Thriver shows. What about people further down the track? How's their life going now, etc." So Laurie is a example of a thriver that since that time has kept moving forward and she's kept developing and she's kept growing and she really is very very passionate about her journey and uh, and her and I just had a very simple little Skype conversation just um, it was late last night early this morning about you know how fantastic it is being in our 40s and really anchoring into our development and our growth in our 40s and really coming through as radiant women. And so today's Thriver Show is her continued story. So welcome, Laurie. Thank you for coming back on the show. Oh, thanks for having me back, Mel. This is exciting. It's always gorgeous talking to you, Laurie. And we, you know, we we often Skype each other and we, we catch up and it's, been gorgeous to have this friendship that we've developed since since meeting this way so a long time yeah and actually there was another show after the september um 2011 show we did one in december too and so you'll if you want to listen to that one there's evolution from there too oh thank you for reminding me gosh you know this is okay you (laughs) talk to so many people that's okay oh just one or two yeah just one or two Fantastic. Well, we will. We'll put that link up as well, and I better have a re-listen to that too. I know it'd be great because you 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 you're just great with this stuff. And so so, Laurie, like many of us, you have done a huge inner inventory. You know, you've done a lot of that soul searching. You've done a lot of the growth, and you're really passionate about sharing what your awakening and your transformation is. So. So, Laurie, you know, share with people what your life was like even pre-narcissistic abuse. You know, it's so funny. It's like asking someone what life was like before a child. It's so hard to remember now because it feels like a different life um, in a good way, of course. Um, I had a, what I considered to be a successful life. I really did. I, I was happy. Um, I was in 
relationships with people that I was close to. I had a strong circle of friends. I had a successful career as a teacher, still do. Um, people considered me to be kind and considerate. I was considered to be thoughtful by my family growing up. I remember my parents often said to me, you're so, you're so thoughtful, you're so easy to be with. Um, but it, 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 in hindsight, I look back and realize that that was because I spent a great deal of time making sure that everyone else around me had what they needed. And when everyone else around me had what they needed, then I was happy and filled. And I called that dancing, you know, pleasing other people. And I, I really think I, part of the reason I chose to become a teacher as much as I love it was kind of that rush of making sure that the children had what they wanted and pleasing them and pleasing their parents. And, you know, the chemical oxytocin that's released by uh, human brains when we bond. Well, like, yeah. Right when mm. um, when we're intimate with a partner or when mamas are nursing, we release this chemical, and it's the f- one of the feel-good chemicals in the body. But it's a bonding chemical, and scientists have found that the brain is releases a large amount of oxytocin when we do something nice for other people, like Absolutely. give pre- give presents or we volunteer. Or mm. and I think I became an oxytocin oxytocin junkie. You know, I just couldn't get enough of the feeling of being loved by other people. Mm. which is not necessarily a bad thing as long as you can love yourself too. But I don't think I knew how to do that back then. And I think that's so, so the point. You know, there's so many people that have been narc abused or relationships haven't gone right and they're like, but you know, I'm so loving and I'm so giving and I... Right. What's wrong with me? I'm so nice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what we haven't, you know, realized is that uh, it's it's really interesting at the moment because I've been reading like David Dieter's stuff and talking about it a bit on Facebook and I really love how he says that, you know, there's really three stages of relationships and he's third, mm-hmm. he's very radical, it's very, very powerful but it takes a lot of development to get there. But the first stage is absolutely that, you know, we can be giving to get, we can be yeah, loving I, I, to I, be I, loved. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I did that forever. Unconsciously. I don't think I consciously Mm. considered myself someone who gave to get. I would have hated to think that. But looking back, I think I did. You know, I was married for over 10 years and I had a a beautiful child. And as the marriage was dissolving, I realized that the dancing was happening faster and my ability to please wasn't as efficient as it was. You know, the rules were changing, the... The, the floor was shifting from under me and I didn't know what to do. I just didn't know any other way to be, but I knew that I couldn't continue to live the way I was living. I, I wasn't happy with myself. There was a gnawing feeling that I wasn't being true to myself. I was exhausted all the time. It was just was not a good time in my life at all. So the marriage ended and, and things started to shift a little bit after that, I thought. Not really. Mm. So how old were you when the marriage ended? How old was I? Yeah. Uh, a week after my 40th birthday. So, yeah, mm. 40. Mm. Mm. And, and, yeah, and everybody out there, Laurie's just had her 49th birthday. Yesterday. Yeah. Which was yesterday. It was. Yeah. Yep. Nine years ago, the marriage ended. And I had been married for 12 years. My son was seven when the marriage ended. And I just thought, okay, well... You know, you walk down the aisle, you never expect things to end. This was a mistake. Something happened. Um, I certainly took partial responsibility for 
the dissolution of it. Obviously, I wasn't figuring things out properly, but but I'd get it right next time, and this was not going to take very long, and I'd find a new partner and click in, and and it would be easy. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Mm. And so I, I dated, and I had some relationships after the divorce, none of which really were going to become long-term. I wasn't choosy. You know, I... I accepted being in a relationship with people who wanted to be with me. That was kind of my criteria at the time. Mm, yeah. um, if if the man was interested in me, well, then he had to be a good man. And he had to be good for me, right? Because, I mean, look, he finds me attractive. He thinks I'm nice. Awesome. Then this has to be, let's go. Yeah, um, yeah. And they didn't, they didn't sustain themselves because I, I wasn't realizing at the time that I wasn't picking for the right reasons. And then my big storm hit. Uh, mm. My biggest learning experience of my entire life. Mm. And that's exactly what happens, isn't it? But it, but it's so true, you know, that when we are, you know, and and I know you've indicated to me before that you know that you you realise that you were lacking an inner compass and an inner truth. Yes. And yes, and I was. Absolutely. And when we have that, it's really like we're, we're spiritually starved of love and we're trying to get it from outside of ourselves. And, and as you said before, it's unconscious. This was our normal. We actually didn't know anything different than this. Well, and I thought it was just being a good person, you know, yeah. going with the flow, um, accepting love from wherever it came, yeah. uh, being open. You know, my family used to say, you're so easy to love, Lori. Well, I was easy to love because I was so happy to be loved, right, yeah. by anyone. Um, but, yeah, I didn't I, – look, it's all hindsight now, of course. But at the time, it was quite clear I didn't have an inner core of self. self. Um, my inner compass not, wasn't broken. It didn't exist. I didn't have the ability – to really discern whether people were right for me. I just didn't even try to do that. I mean, I'm not saying I picked murderers off off the street. I, I had some ability to see whether or not they were good people or not, I thought. Yeah. Um, but deep down, I wasn't making a conscious decision of, you know, this man looks like a good person. Let's Let's build a life with this person because these are the values that I have and these are the values that he has. Yes. And it's a sustainable relationship. I was nowhere near that and so I was ripe for the picking you know I was ripe for someone who was built to choose people who could be molded like there's no question I I didn't have boundaries I it, I was just really ripe for a narcissist at that point mm-hmm. perfect the perfect hit <laughs> yeah yeah so this was five years after your divorce he came into your life he did mm. Curious. Fast and furiously, yeah. And, you know, I wrote to you that um, one of the quotes from Mother Teresa kind of hit home, you know, that some people come into your life as blessings, others come into your life as lessons. I think he was both. You know, at the time, I certainly, when things crumbled and ended, I didn't think of it as a blessing. I do now. And I, I thank him quietly in my meditations when I'm alone because he he helped me to find myself. You know, in a way that was terrifying, but it needed to happen. It was time for that to happen. Absolutely. And that's what I, you know, I I, I just so know that, you know, we thought that the narcissists were there to heal all our wounds and to give us everything we wanted, but they're actually there to be the messenger of our wounds. Yeah. They're our teachers. They are. 
The teachers come when we need them, right? They come to us. Absolutely, absolutely. So what happened when you met him? Well, it was the whirlwind. You know, he swept me off my feet in the fairy tale sense. Um, he acted like he knew me forever. It felt like he had known me forever. Mm. He was very clear about all the wonderful parts of me that I didn't even realize were there. Um, everyone in my circle thought he was wonderful because he was charismatic and he was uh, positive and happy and seemed very loving to me in, in socially. Um, but I have an older brother, and older brothers are notorious for being protective, right? And he saw right through it from the beginning and, and warned me. He said, just be careful, Lori. I don't have a good feeling about this guy. And I was so caught up in the feeling of being chosen and taken by this charismatic man that I thought my brother was way off course. And of course he wasn't. Um, so I, I kind of saw the narc at the time as as a, a warm tornado, not at the time, I mean in hindsight. And it sounds funny to put those two words together, but he, he moved at such a pace and, and enveloped me and my family um, in such a way, but it felt warm at the same time and protective. He infused himself into every part of my life. Mm. It, felt, it felt like he was indispensable. He made promises to do things and to take care of things. And, and I allowed myself to kind of fall into the fake trust that he was delivering because he was helping to define the me that I couldn't define, right? He was Absolutely. taking stock of, yeah, he he was telling me how wonderful I was and I couldn't find all of those parts on my own. And, and he, I remember he used to say that he was very intuitive and he read people very well. Well, I think at some level he probably did. They do. And picked and picked people very carefully, right? And so he he used to watch and take stock of my strengths, but also my areas of of weakness, my Achilles heels, the things that bothered me, the things that I was insecure about, and at the most opportune times and the worst times for me, he'd throw them back and use them as weapons. Absolutely. Awful, awful, awful. awful. And mm. you'd put all of your hopes and your dreams and your trust, and then you'd be hit by these daggers, and you'd think, I didn't tell you that, so that you would then slap me with it. Not literally, but... I don't think there's a person... Awful. It is. I don't think there's a person out there that has been narcissistically abused who is not just resonating 300% with what you just said then. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. That was a hallmark for me later to go back and realize, you know, friends, people who love me, don't do that. No, of course not. They don't listen to you. They they love you in spite of things that drive them crazy, as I do with the people I care about. They yes. don't then they don't take stock and and gather and and keep a mental list and then turn around and. That's right. That's Just right. Easy just incredible so at, yeah mm, that's mm. that's how he entered my life it was very fast I didn't have a whole lot of boundaries or, or rules at that point about how quickly things should move along and he moved in with us within four months you know I look back and think that was insane yes my son was 12 um, I don't know what I was thinking I was, there was no way I would ever do that now forget it yeah well honey you were love bombed you know, you were loved. Oh, that's a great way to say it. I totally was. And he had all these grand ideas. and Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was helpful. everything that you thought you wanted. Which well, he, is, was everything, he was mm. everything that 
that I thought I needed. He was everything that I couldn't be to myself. Correct. That was the, that was the biggest part for me later. I realized if I if I were able to give all these pieces to myself, I wouldn't need someone so scary to give them to me. Because at the same time, being swept away, I was incredibly vulnerable, right? By yes. putting your your entire stock into this one person who can define you and make you feel good about yourself and at the same time strip it all away is is way too vulnerable. I remember thinking at one point, he's too important. Mm. It's, this should not mean this much in my life. He's too important. And then, of course, you put it away somewhere and lock it up, right? That's right. And you've named it perfectly. You've so named it perfectly because it's not like well, you're sharing and co-generating those resources. It's it's that stage one relationship stuff of dependency and it's not safe dependency. Oh, and it's pure dependency. Pure dependency mm. for everyone. And I considered myself an independent woman, right, at the time. I really did. I think I we all did. Just, yeah. yeah, I thought yes. this was just magic. You know, finally, this person has come along and we can build this perfect life together. You know, th- this is the stuff of movies. This doesn't happen to people. Well, yes. no, it doesn't, because it doesn't. <laughs> Hello. Um, and Hi, I remember Lily. thinking this is just so fabulous. And then the changes were subtle at first. You know, he... He was so into me at the beginning, almost all-encompassing. And then very slowly, it was very subtle. He was a little less available. I mean, he had moved in with us at this point, but he'd become busy. He was a little less interested. He was more impatient. Um, the praise was becoming less regular. It was it was one of those... Um, I've used this analogy with you before, you know, the rat in the maze who has random reinforcement and goes crazy because the praise is only once in a while and you never know what it'll be. And so I started to dance faster. That's right. Figuring that if, if, I, if I please more, then uh, I'll get back what I was yearning for and had at the beginning. Yes. You know, they, they give you this taste and then when they take it away, you think you're going to lose your mind. Absolutely. And it really, it really felt like I was losing my mind. So the devaluation started to happen and I spiraled along with it. That felt fast. And when I look back, it was, I think it was clear in my heart that he wasn't being faithful. He, I'm not sure he ever was now, to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, you know, a woman knows. <laughs> Oh yeah, I think so. And then the really tricky, awful thing can be before you've done your own inner development and healing is like, am I being paranoid? Is this just because of this, or is this because of that, or like we don't trust, like we know but we don't trust ourselves? Oh, I didn't. And I remember when I found you, I said, how, how can I ever trust myself again? I chose this. Mm. How will mm. I ever, ever do this again properly? And you said it will never happen again, Lori. Mm. And I thought, what do you mean? <laughs> how how did I choose it this time? I don't even know what the signs are. And of course, I was a babe in the woods then, in the narc journey. I didn't know anything yet. But it's true. I mean, once you start shifting, all of that energy just doesn't become part of your world anymore. It's amazing. Mm. Anyway, so how I'm long? Ahead of myself. That's all right. So how long were you in the relationship before you went? Oh my God, I, I need to find answers. Um, he moved in at four months. Uh, that was in the fall. We had Christmas together. Um, I had some surgery at Christmas, and he was there to support me through that. And then I, over the some strange things started to happen. He would disappear. He would 
we were both teachers. He'd make excuses to go into school. It's Christmas holidays. You don't need to be going into school. Like, there's nothing to do. The place is closed. Um, just my radar was going off in many ways. But I, we kept going, and he moved out, <clears throat> excuse me, in the middle of February back to his old place, but was still very much in this relationship and, of course, was in it when he wanted intimacy, right? Yes. Um, just having me kind of on the hook. And it was clear to me that I was just a convenience for him at that point. He wasn't as committed to many things as he seemed to be at the beginning. I can't say that he was because I don't think he ever was now. And he was always unavailable. He'd make plans and then break them. He'd make promises and break them. And finally, by the end of April, so we're almost at a year now, um, I had had a huge problem on a property that I own and he was going to come and help me with it. And he made the excuse that he had to see his children. And then he mistakenly wrote on Facebook that he'd gone golfing that day. And it hit me. I thought, yeah, I can't keep doing this. And so we had a big talk that night and he said, look, I still want you in my life. I just, I'm doing my best. This is not really what I want anymore the way it is, but I still want to see you. I still want to be with you. And, he, I asked him if he still loved me, and he said, well, no, you know, when I'm not with you, I don't have any feelings. I have to be in the same room with you to feel for you. And I thought, okay, <laughs> ding, 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 big, big, mm. alarm go off. And he said, do you still love me? I said, of course. I mean, we're building a life together. How could I not? Yeah. Please. And it just hit me that I, the whole facade was kind of crumbling for me at that point. So how far in? I'd say, I'd say a year. Mm. But he'd already moved out, and I, I said to him that night when he said he only felt for me when he was with me, and I felt very betrayed that day that he didn't come and help when he said he, he would and ended up going golfing. It was just a whole series of events yeah. that I I said, I actually apologized that I had to leave him. I, I, I told him I was sorry. I can't believe I did that now. But I said, I'm so sorry I can't do this anymore. Um, and he, of course, tried, you know, to maintain contact and tried to see me and tried to set up times where we could be alone. And and I found you rather quickly after that. So I, I would say a year in, but we were not officially together anymore. Mm. I hadn't started no contact yet, but yeah, the relationship had shifted, if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. So... So you, so how did you find, how did you, how did you realize that he was a narcissist? Well, I don't think I did. I didn't have that word. I, I mean, mm. I, I have a psych degree, so I had the word from textbooks, but I wasn't putting it together in my life. I'd heard it, I'd learned about it, but not to any great degree. And I just, I started to Google that night in in lack of sleep mode, just some of the behaviors that I was seeing, you know, unfaithfulness and and um swinging moods and rage and I, I can't remember all of the things that I used as searches and some of your articles were coming up mm. and I then found your checklist and I thought let's see let's see for fun if I'm on the right track and I really think this was divine intervention you know you were brought to me there's no question and I did the checklist and I think he scored like a 98 or something isn't it out of 100 yeah is it some percentage thing? I, I can't mean, remember. I don't even remember if that particular checklist is there anymore. We might have some different I stuff. I think it is. I, well, something is. I mm, don't remember mm, the markings, mm. but there is a checklist now. Okay. Um, 
but he scored very, very high. And I mm. thought, oh, I'm not crazy. This is not just me. But I, I quickly realized then that he wasn't the only narc I'd had in my life. Yeah. Just no question. There was, he was the biggest one, I think, in his own way. But there were several that led up to it. And it just kind of hit me that, okay, wait a minute. You know, you can start analyzing his behavior and then the person before that and the person before that. Or you can sit down and say, now, why do you keep choosing these people for yourself? And that kind of became my focus. I really needed, it felt like survival. I needed to figure out why I kept keeping up this pattern that was so self-abusive, in a sense, right? Mm, absolutely. That I kept yeah. choosing these people who were not going to love me because I didn't know how to love myself. I didn't know a whole lot about energy and manifestation and all that yet. Yeah. But I knew that what I was doing to myself was hurtful, and I wanted it to stop. And I also wanted it to stop desperately for my child because he had lived a divorce. He had lived a few of the relationships that had ended after the divorce. And, and it was glaringly obvious to me that I wanted to be a stronger model for him than I was. Um, so I was compelled to make changes for him too. And I, it was clear to me that your program and your work were going to lead me that way based on the reading I was doing all mm. night that night. I don't think I slept at all that night. So that you'd so been in therapy. So you were in. So you'd been in therapy during the relationship, and oh, we went to therapy together. That was his idea. I'd been in therapy for a long time before that, through the divorce, personal therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, all of that, for, and, and quite dedicated to it, and could really cognitively talk a lot about what had happened. Um, and went to my own therapist right after he and I fell apart. And, and she's lovely. She was a lovely lady. And she said, can you think of a way to, you know, do something nice to yourself tonight? Go home and self-soothe. I didn't know what that meant. You know, mm. I, I said, I don't, I don't know what that, self-soothe. How do you do that? Yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know how to do that. You give me a list and I'll do it. <laughs> you know, I yeah. Yes. No, yes. No. I remember myself in therapy. I was really similar. And it was like, you know, my inner identity doesn't match these. But just tell me how to do it. Like, yeah. I don't know how to be it. But just try to tell me how to do it. <laughs> yep. I'll pretend. You know, that's fine. Give me a list. Have a hot bath. Oh, I couldn't imagine. Just, I was so raw from the whole experience. And you called it complicated post-traumatic stress disorder later. Yeah. I was a wreck. That, you know, self-soothing, having a bath was like the hugest threat on the planet. So I really vibrated for a long time after. But yeah, I, I was quite committed to therapy for a long time before the narc. And as we started to fall apart, I was quite impressed at the time. He brought up, we should go to therapy together. And I mm. thought, wow. And there are many narcissists that actually do do that. They, you know, yeah. and a lot of people yeah. think that, oh my God, he can't be a narcissist because he does that. You'd exactly. be amazed. You would be exactly. amazed how many actually will do that but yeah so what was your experience with that well it was very interesting <laughs> he uh he came a couple of times two or three times one time he never showed up but what was very very clear was that anything that he brought up publicly in therapy could not be sustained in life yes. and it also became all about him and how hard he was trying and what more did I want from him mm. he couldn't 
he couldn't stay down the road of accountability for more than a millisecond. Yes. And in therapy, if, if it's going to be effective, you've got to be accountable for what you're doing. That's Each right. person does, right? That lasted, honestly, a, a very, very short time. He couldn't sustain that. He couldn't click into being accountable for anything. It was all about what I was doing to him and what life was doing to him and how dare I even ask him to do anything differently than what he was doing because he was doing his best. And I remember looking at a painting in the therapist's office. I can still see it. And just it zapping through my head thinking, Lori, you're getting nowhere with this. You're spinning your wheels. This is not a person who's logical or is insightful or is at all interested in making any personal change to make this work. You're wasting your time and your energy and, of course, your money because none of that was cheap. Um, And I I decided to just go myself then. Like, I would rather work on myself than work with someone who's making me feel worse about myself than I already do. Uh, So therapy was, was good for me for a lot of years until I realized that the effects didn't last very long. Yeah, I could talk about things, but it was all, it always stayed on the surface and the pain didn't go away. It would go away for as long as I was in the office and as soon as I left, it would all flood back. I couldn't stay away from the pain that was being brought up by the patterns that I was living. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't let go of the pain. I yeah. couldn't let go of the pain. I could talk about it. I could make sense. I could, I could make logical connections. I yeah. could rationalize. All of that. was it, Talk therapy was great. I could talk forever. But I, I couldn't change the patterns. I remember saying, but why do I keep doing this? Why does this keep happening? And, you know, we could talk about it and figure it out, but it didn't change the way I walked the planet. I and couldn't it, mm, connect it. And that is so, so true. It doesn't matter how intelligent we are. It doesn't matter. If our inner identity is still not healed, it's what's actually driving the game. Yeah. Despite yeah. our intelligence and despite we know we shouldn't be like this, it, it, we're not changed. We're not actually no, changed. No. We've got an idea, but we have not changed. No. So how were you, like, where, you know, where were you in your life? Like, at what level were you at before you contact, before we made contact? Well, the narc and I had broken up, and I'd found you and done some reading, mm. and was quite broken. That was a really rough time. And it was the end of the school year, and it, which is a crazy busy time for teachers everywhere on the planet. Yeah. Um, and I had to get up and do that. I was a single mom and busy with my son's activities quite happily. But I, I remember thinking, I, I, can't, I can't go to the store and get groceries. I can't walk the dog. I, I can hardly get myself to school and function and focus and eat and sleep. I remember feeling like I was a motor because I was vibrating all the time. I would pick up a pencil and it would fall out of my hand. I didn't have any attention. I couldn't sustain uh, short-term memory. It was awful. And I felt very ill, not only physically, just completely mentally. It didn't feel like depression per se. It felt like complete, on the way to complete um, crumbling. And it it scared me because I didn't, I didn't know what to do to stop that feeling. And I thought, you know, a person did this to you? And I remember a a wonderful good girlfriend that I've known forever said to me, how could you ever feel, let a man do this to you? Like, you can't feel this way because of a man. No man is this important. 
And I said, you're right, but it's more than him. It's, it's what I've done to myself that I can't figure out. Mm-hmm. Like I felt, I felt very self-betrayed, and I didn't know how to make sense of that and where, where to be safe from myself. I didn't trust myself at all at that point. Yeah. It was terrifying. And so um, I did a lot of your reading, and I remember I wrote to you asking, you have all these wonderful programs which one should I start with can I because you had ebooks and you had meditations and you had the NARC program and it was all wonderful it seemed but I I I needed something prescriptive at that point I didn't really know where to start and so you had suggested very strongly that I start with um, NARP the Narcissist Abuse Recovery Program and and what was wonderful and I think people need to remember this because I'm assuming you still have the same guarantee, right? That if it didn't work, yeah, absolutely. That that I could contact you and say, "Look, this isn't for me. You can have it back." Yeah. Um, which which, and it's not a horribly expensive program anyway compared to therapy. Honestly, it's really not. If you think about hours and hours of therapy versus what uh, the NARP program is, and it, it's priceless in its effect anyway. But I didn't know you. I, I live in Canada. You lived in Australia. I. I didn't know anything about you. I said, is this, you know, a snake woman trying to sell me a program? Who is she? Yeah. <laughs> um, so what was great was there was there was no risk, right? I'd try it and see. And then you offered Quantum Freedom Healing at the same time. We'll try a session. And the same thing was true. You know, we'll try it. If it does nothing for you, you let me know. Yeah, and, that's and, right. And, you know, there's a guarantee, which was perfect because, you know, as a single mom and a teacher, I, I didn't have tons and tons of money to throw around at things that might work. So I, we did a Quanta Freedom Healing session one night after we had you had sent me the NARP program and I had looked at it and was so excited that I had work ahead of me. You know, as a teacher and someone who's been in school forever, I love courses and the prescription of follow this and now do this and now do this. I needed that. I needed someone to tell me where to put my feet. Um, but the quantum freedom healing was something I'd never experienced before. It was cosmic. It was really cool. Yeah, and you did. You dived in. You absolutely, and I'm very much like that in life as well. You know, I think that, um, and often that can be a really good trait of codependence, which is, you know, what we were, (laughs) you know, always trying to find something outside of ourselves, but that can be a really great strength in that when we go, okay, well, this is actually something that I can do that could help me, and you did, you dived in with gusto, you know, as much gusto as what I see any people do. And, uh, yeah, and I remember back then, it, that was, you know, quite some time ago now that we, when we first met, and you did, you really got stuck into it and you got involved and, and you know, and you were very, very much about, well, look, if I've got a problem, you know, I'll, I'll get help, I'll get support, I want to understand this, I'm fully committed, you know, let's go for that. And you obviously in your life had already been an incredibly committed person to anything that you get involved in. And you became really committed to self-development. And and I know you still do. And, you know, what, what really, what was it for you, that Laurie, that made you really realize that the inner work was the deal, that it was all about changing inner beliefs and emotions? Well, it's... 
it felt like it wasn't a choice to make some kind of a change. I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. And I read more books than I could possibly count. And I'd done hours and hours of therapy. And it was important to me, as I said before, to make a change in the pattern. And I figured if, if I'm the one who keeps meeting these people consciously and consciously building a so-called life with men who are awful for me, I have to make a change internally. Like there's something going on inside of me that's, I don't like the word broken because it means, I just don't like the word. But there was something that wasn't connecting properly to me that I kept making these choices. And so I felt like it was my responsibility to figure out what I had to do differently. You know, I I could sit in victimization and say, my life was so awful and, you know, I was divorced and my childhood was X, Y, and Z, even though a lot, a big part of my childhood was great. There were parts, of course, that led to this. Um, And I could have said, you know, the narc just about broke me and I'm done. I don't want men ever again in my life. But I did. I wanted a, a functional, happy life partnership. That was important to me for myself and as a role model for my child. And so I knew that the work of talking through it on the surface was not working. I had to go deeper. I didn't quite have a word for it yet. I don't know that I would have called it internal work then, but I knew that I had to work on conscious patterns and therefore unconscious connections to those within me, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you find was different in regard to the deep inner work with quantum freedom heal- healing as compared to what you had been doing with the cognitive therapy. How were they different? Mm. Oh, gosh, I need a month to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I don't have another word other than cosmic. You know, I, I, I was skeptical, Melanie, I've told you this before, at the beginning, you know, I thought how can this woman halfway across the world possibly connect to my energy via Skype? Like, really, how is this ever going to work? But I thought, keep an open mind. Just try it. You know, you believe in meditation. You believe in in Mm. energy work. Let's give it a shot. Um, And also, just to slip in there, too, you know, that energy is in the MP3s in in NARP as well. Well, exactly. And I I was already starting to experience that. You know, I I had them on my iPod, which I carried with me everywhere. I would go to the pool with my son and with his friends and sit on the edge of the pool with my my journal and my MP3 and plug it in and feel myself hum, not vibrate, but hum through this journaling and this releasing. And I remember that summer so well, watching the kids frolic in the pool as I'm releasing all of this stuff. It was magic. Um, And so the quantum freedom healing was was similar. You know, you were able... My problem at the beginning was that I could not tap into what it was I needed to release. I can do that more now because of the work that I've done, and you can too. But at the beginning, I thought if I just knew what to release, I could could release it. But you were so wonderful at kind of walking through the, the field and picking out all of the weeds until we could find part of the reason the pattern existed and then through all of those steps in quantum freedom healing to release it and it felt like a bodily shift you know in cognitive behavior therapy you talk and 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 the talking brings some cognitive release but this was like a body release it's hard to explain you know it, it's almost from your toes you feel this whole 
shiver up your whole body and it's just gone. Mm. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I remember the first session, I hadn't slept for weeks. I was a wreck. I was not eating. I wasn't sleeping. As I say, I was vibrating. And after that first session, I, I was so happily tired. I slept the first time in months or weeks all night without waking up. And I thought, okay, there's something in this then if you're sleeping because this is the first time in a long time that you've done that. And then the the NARC program, as you said, um, allowed me to do it through the MP3s too, which was wonderful. And then I'd reach a blockage and I'd want more than the NARC program and I'd you know, email you and we'd set up another session and I'd have done this work and kind of worked through some parts and found the apex of it all. Okay, this seems to be something big. Can we talk about this? And mm. off we go. It was so awesome. I loved the the way you were able to be part of it all and help release more more of the layers. There mm. were so many layers. And it layers and layers and layers. Oh, yeah. That was my journey too. <laughs> layers and layers and layers. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think what you've described, um, yeah, the body shift. And that's what I bang on about all the time, trying to get people to understand that. Because I never did before I did this work. But it's like when we have those ahas in life, right? And that's actually a body shift. And they can come on in a random way without us being in our subconscious, right? But generally, that's not the case. They're like those miracle moments in life that can be very random, but we don't want random stuff when we're dealing with this. We want body shifts. But when we actually have a body shift, it means that something's been released out of your subconscious and replaced with a healthy replacement. And then what happens is your mind immediately clicks into that release and that new program, and it's like the lampshade comes off your head and you go, oh my God. I'm different. I'm actually different. I think the difference, though, with the quantum freedom healing is that in cognitive behavioral therapy, you can have aha moments. Yeah. They're not the same, though. You can have an aha moment and you can talk about it. Yeah. But you don't quite know how to live it. And it's not at the same depth as with what you're talking about. With what you're talking about, I found the aha aha moments were, were much deeper. They had lots of connections to them about patterns that I'd lived and, and yeah. behaviors that I've seen. And then when they were released, I was able to then walk in a new way. It wasn't just talking about it and making sense of it cognitively. It was walking the planet differently. Yeah. Because Completely. you have, That's right. Because you haven't just had an idea that's changed. Mm. You change. You, ch- you become the change. That's oh, the Mm. That's what happens when you embody. And it was interesting. I got an email recently from a lady and she said, I've got your program, but I need to do a mind shift by reading all of your information before doing the MP3s. And I actually said to her, you won't get it that way. You actually have to have a body shift to have a mind shift. Your body. She wanted to read through it and see if that would do it. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and, it, and and you know, and I can understand people thinking that. Like, I want my mind to click into gear before I start working on my inner body. But what we have to understand is your body is controlling your mind. So when you you can't when you've got deep trauma, your mind has got no control over changing and flicking your body over, which is actually where it's going on. But once you get the body shift, your mind neuro 
pathways literally shift and reflect that change immediately. Well, and it's an inner truth change, right? Like Correct. you're tapping you're tapping into your 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 inner being and your true self with which is so veiled by all of those wounds before mm. that I don't think we can tap into inner truth and so we live in ego and we just try to stay mm. continuing to function when we're just functioning on surface but when you release all that stuff in my case anyway I felt inner truth starting to really bubble up and then my body took over and, and really allowed my mind to work in a much more effective way. Mm. That's exactly what it is. So how long did you, because you kept being this studious, committed person, you are to self-development, you know, you worked now diligently, Laurie, and, Laurie, and then you were going, well, what's next, what's next? But <laughs> you yeah. were, you were always I like was. that. So I'm just going back to that too, you know, we did do personal sessions and you were really committed. That was a few years ago and, you know, now with personal sessions, um, you know, I can't do that with everybody. I mean, I can put people in, but it's a two-month waiting list now because there's only one of me doing this at this point. You know, I got lucky. You you did because it was early days. You know, NARP hadn't been out for too long. And NARP is actually now advanced. It's evolved. It's even more powerful than what it was when you originally worked it. And also, too, there's the recovery forum now, which I'm in every day and I can answer group questions. There's wonderful thrivers that support, that have done the NARP journey, that understand it inside out. So people have got that really, really powerful support there. Well, that but would it, make a difference too, because then you could log on, you know, any time of the day or night, and yeah, and get information too. That's important when you're going through it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And also too, people can have personal sessions with me as supplements. They do have to wait a while before they can get started. But I always say to people, you know, once a week sessions with me is not enough. You need to be working up daily especially in the early stages yourself you've I, got did. A, mm, yeah. I, I did I, it every day absolutely yeah I was going to ask you that I was going to yeah. I'm not surprised you did that and I know there's I actually people that yeah. do yeah you have to you've got to keep shifting and shifting and shifting especially at the start there's so much trauma there really is and I wanted to you know I, I knew that I was starting to to shift and feel better and it's all I wanted to do was feel better I mean it it's not that I spent my entire day doing that you know I would I was very busy in my life but I carved out time after my child was in bed for myself and and really I would say an hour a night I did Mm. that and then when there was time during the day as I say it was summertime when the kids were in the pool I'd sit by the pool and and do more and and I needed one or two hours alone because some of the shift work you really needed to be in tune and not interrupted. Um, and so it was one to two hours a night, every night. You know, mm. shall we go to a movie with friends? Not sorry, I'm busy. Like, I just saw it as time for me that was just so important. Mm. Mm. So how long were you on that before you went to um, the self-empowerment course? Oh, they were one after the other. So that summer, I think I started NARP at the end of June or the beginning of July. Mm-hmm. And I think I finished it in three weeks, which I now realize is a, <laughs> a pretty fast amount of time. Maybe it was a month. I can't remember. It was really fast. And then uh, I still felt like there was more to release, though, so I'd go back and do the modules again. 
Yeah, which is the best Some way to work NARP when you get triggers. Yeah. Keep going back to modules, absolutely. And I still do, you know, and even through the empowerment, self-empowerment and, and then the um, love creation, I'd, I'd go back again. Like, it's not something you do once and put away. It's there when you need it. And I still have the meditations on my iPod and sometimes have to listen to them, and that's okay. It's great. Mm. Um, so I think I think it was August that I did self-empowerment, and that was about a month. And then I, I think right after that, I did uh, Love Creation, and I think that was about a month. And I had less time, of course, in the fall because I started to teach again. And then um, I gave myself Sunday mornings with tea. So mm. my son would sleep in. Thank God for teenagers who love to sleep. Mm. Uh, on Sunday mornings, and I'd get up early with my tea and having taken care of my, my dog and settled her. And then I would sit with the tea, and I remember the rain coming down outside on the trees and listening to the course and having my my own little journal and thinking, ah, there's nothing better right now than this. This is awesome. It was a beautiful time. Gorgeous, gorgeous. And it probably was. You know, before we do a really empowered self journey, we we don't know how to be with ourselves effectively or we don't want no. to be. I was terrified to be. I didn't love... Um, being alone because it, it scared me but also I didn't love myself at the end of the narc relationship I mean I, w- I was a needy mess you know mm. I remember him saying at one point I feel very confined by this relationship well I, I kind of get what he means now I, I was scrambling for attention I must have been a really not an easy person to be around you know really needy and shaky and, and hard to be with um, well, you do. You know, you're hooked and you're addicted and then, you know, your drug yeah. starts getting cut off yeah. and you panic. Yeah. yeah, I was a junkie. There's no question. A different kind. You know, I didn't have to Yeah, we all were. go to mm. uh, the black market and buy anything, but I was scrambling to find whatever I could to feel better. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So when you were on ES, because I remember you lost a whole heap of weight, like... Yeah, almost 50 pounds. Yeah. Whoa. I did. I did. It just fell off, though. It was amazing. It just started to happen on its own. I mean, I was being more careful and probably wasn't feeding the feelings like I was before. Mm. And I was going to yoga and committed to doing that um, and was meditating and just very in tune with myself. People were saying I looked different and felt different. Um, And I had long hair down the middle of my back at the beginning of the summer when I started NARP and by the fall it was um, at my ears. It just kept getting shorter and I was changing. I just wanted a complete change. It was interesting. It is so interesting, you know, with our weight and our health when we actually let go of the wounds and all of our energy that's been defending the wounds, protecting us. We we abs our bodies start really reflecting that. Mhm. Absolutely, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I know that was one of the beautiful benefits, you know, that you yeah. really, that you really had. So, so okay, because then you just kept plowing on. <laughs> this was amazing. You'd contact me and go, right, what's next? I'm like, oh my okay, gosh, look at this woman go. You're going to build a new course because this one's almost done. I need another one. Yeah. Yeah. So you worked on the Empowered Love Creation e-course and this was, gosh, you're only a few months into your whole journey at this stage. Now, at this point, 
This, yes. this course is actually still available. It doesn't have Corner Freedom Healing Modules attached to it yet because it's going to be upgraded, okay. et cetera, et cetera. But you did this course. I did. It was awesome. Loved it. Yeah. So what happened? Uh, what happened with that? Well, I was a little nervous, to be honest. You had recommended. You said, okay, I think you're ready for this. And the Love Creation eCourse is, of course, building your new life with love in it in a healthy way, right? Yes. And I said, I said to you, okay, I've done all this work. Um, and I hear what you're saying, that you think, I'm ready for this. Ah, okay, I don't want to live what I lived again. And you were quite clear to me that I would not, that, that my journey would be very different, and that it would happen quickly. You kept saying that. It's going to happen quickly, Lori. You're not, it's not going to take long. And I thought, oh, great. <laughs> that must have been prophetic. Because <laughs> I don't say that to everybody. I must, have, I must have been tapping into something there. I can't actually remember saying that, but wow. Yeah, you did. It's not going to take long. And I thought, oh, well, I kind of want it to take a long time because I'm enjoying this time alone, too. Um, so I decided to, I had internet dated um, off and on for a number of years after the divorce and it, it's convenient and easy for me as a state as a, a single mom with a full-time job and so I did it again but this time my profile was very different and very clear about what I wanted and what I didn't because part of the course of course is that you make a list of the values and the attributes of a, a partner for you not you know I love tall dark-haired men not at all uh, more of the values and mm. and personality characteristics that are very important to you. And I made a very clear list. I still have it, and I read it sometimes and laugh. Um, mm. And so I made this list, and, and I think I even put part of the list in my profile. I mean, not as a grocery list, but just, you know, I'm looking for someone to share my life who is, and I'd say a couple of things. Yeah. And the very the very top of the list for me um was that he needed to be a loving parent. That was huge for me. I needed him to be committed to his child or children. Mm. And therefore I knew Beautiful. he'd get that I was I was committed to mine and that he that family was a value therefore. You know, that was very important to me. And it, it took I I posted the profile and then went about my life still busy teaching and doing yoga and meditating and t- taking my child to and from his activities and Enjoying life. I was really enjoying myself at that point alone. Mm, isn't it gorgeous? It's <laughs> just so. It, it is just so fulfilling to be at that level. I I totally concur. It's and it's of course when things happen, right? Of course, you know, people, people totally. always say it's when you're not really wanting it, and I'd say, what do you mean? It should be yep. when you're really wanting. Yeah, not so much. It's funny, and I, I did want it. I just didn't need it the same as I did before. Completely, absolutely, you're spot on. So within a week or two, I had a whole bunch of contacts and, of course, um, was rather surprised that because of my complete honesty, people still came out of the woodwork. And and I had rules this time. You know, I would email a couple of times. I would speak on the phone um, long before I would meet, speak on the phone for several times before I would meet. And I kind of weeded through things pretty quickly. You know, I, I wasn't at all willing to meet people that I knew would not be for me, whereas in the past, if you were interested, okay, let's go. Yeah. Um, whereas this time, you know, you, you, you sound like a wonderful person. Thanks for calling. I wish you well. I just was very clear and shut the door very quickly anytime I felt anything that wasn't really going to click for me. Because you know pretty early on sometimes. Absolutely. 
And then a couple of weeks in, um, this very kind, short email came in, um, and I read the profile, and the first line of the profile was, I'm a single dad. And I thought, oh, wow, that's interesting. It's kind of the top of my list that he's interested, that that's important to him. And I read the profile, and he seemed nice, seemed being the operative word, because really, what did I know, right? Hadn't even talked to him yet. Whereas in the past, I'd kind of build castles in my head. Oh, you know? yes. Instant relationship, yep. Oh, yeah, you know, and we'll be married within two years, and this will happen, and that will happen, and yes. I haven't even spoken to the guy. And this time, I said to myself, the only thing you're going to know is that you want to hear from him again. That's it. That's it. And if you meet, the only thing you're going to know is that you want to see him again. That's it. That's One step it. at a time. That's it. And he gave me his phone number, and I was very clear. I said, thank you very much, but I'm a, an old-fashioned lady, and if you want to contact me, that's great. I don't call the man the first time. And he <laughs> uh, he laughed about that afterwards. I thought that was very funny. And I gave him times that he could call. I mean, I was very clear, you know, not mean or anything, just I'm not going to be this spongy doormat you know I have I have a schedule I have a child I'd love to talk to you but this is when I'm available and of course he honored that and called every night for a week and we met and had a lovely first date um, and he has called every night for the past almost three years because we're still together gorgeous <laughs> first first date back after the love course i didn't have a date with anyone else that was the first date and the yeah. only one gorgeous um, yeah. gorgeous gorgeous and and this you know what's different about this relationship now compared to other relationships that you've had oh god i wish i had this head in my 20s you know um and this way of walking the planet i mean my i would never have my child because i wouldn't have met and married the man that i married but it's just completely a different feeling. Um, an exa- a very simple example, very early on in our relationship, I remember he called and said, um, can we see each other on X night? And I said, you know, I'd love to see you, but X night is my bath and book night. And he said, what? <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's, that's the night that I carve out for myself when my child has this activity. It's my only night of the week that's for me. And it's really important that I have this time. It's it's necessary for me. So I thank you. Let's make another time where we can see each other, but not that night. And there's no way that prior to this relationship I would ever have said no to someone wanting to see me. Are you kidding? Like, yeah. Forget. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one example, very simple example. Another is that my truth is much more clear now all the way along and and this is a much healthier and more adult relationship both ways than I've ever had before. So that if there's conflict, and and there is, everyone has conflict, it's not without conflict ever, Um, we talk about it, we honor each other, we listen. um, And it's, it's important to both of us that the other feels cared for and we both want it to work. I think that's a really big difference too. Gorgeous. You know, the the narc just wanted what he wanted for himself, right? Yes. But both of us want this to be for as long as it can possibly be. Yes. And so we're both committed to making it.
be as positive for ourselves but also for the other person as it can be. But but when my truth doesn't match what we're living, I'm quite clear about it now. And at the beginning was quite surprised that he would then shift and honor that. Sometimes I still am in some ways. Um, yeah, I think we really need to have a look at that because there's something so important in what you've said. What's you, that? That walking your truth and... and this is, this is huge. This is huge because it's like when we look back at our relationships, when we weren't anchored into our authentic self, what we would do is hand over our truth or we'd try and, oh, no, that'll be all right and hopefully that'll work out down the track. And what we do is live with negative emotion, thinking that it's normal, trying to twist ourselves into a pretzel to be able to have a person be a certain way or do a certain thing rather than just having the negative emotion and saying, okay, I'm actually living outside my authenticity or my boundaries at the moment. And what I really need to do is come back into being authentic and speak up truthfully. But I wouldn't have even known what my truth was long ago, though, Melanie, when I was so exactly. I, You know, if, if someone had asked me, what is it you want for yourself? Uh, I don't know. Whereas exactly. when, you've, when you've done this work and you start living differently, your truth isn't a choice anymore, and mm. it just pokes me. It pokes me regularly. You know, this this is not what you want to be living, Laura. You need to say something, and I don't have a choice. Then I have to. Sometimes I wish it were different. Believe me, <laughs> <laughs> I wish my truth weren't what it is. Because sometimes it's a pain. You know, oh, just be quiet. This is not a big deal. I say to myself, and then it just keeps gnawing at me. Oh yeah, okay, fine. I'll say something, and then it's better, of course. But your truth is is this huge energy within you if you let it be who you really are and it's liberating really yeah at the same time i mean i have a great example um my my honey and i were uh, what about a year and a half in two years in at this point and he's a widower so we actually met on the fifth anniversary of his wife's death which is cosmic too isn't it it's very yeah. interesting yeah um, and we were very slow at the beginning and very careful um, not to merge too quickly with our children and with our families. And, and we were sensitive about the fact that his family had incurred a great loss in the loss of his wife through cancer. And so we were careful about people's feelings. But holidays were coming and there was a death in the family, actually. This was a year ago now. And there was a funeral to go to. And I hadn't met his family yet. And we're now, what? almost two years in and I said to him you know the way I walk the planet is when someone dies and the person is part of a family of someone I care about I have to go to something and honor the person it's part of my value system it's part of what I live but I can't do that in this circumstance because I'm not supposed to exist in your family no one knows about me yet and I've I've honored that and I've respected your need to be careful and to wait but this is not living authentically for me anymore I feel hidden I feel like a mistress if we're building this authentic life together I have to exist now it's time um, and it, it, it took me a long time to find the words to share that and I was afraid to there's no question because I didn't know what he would really say about it um, and I said to him quite clearly you know I, I, I love you I'm, I'm building this life with you and I hope that you're on the same page with me on this, but my truth is so strong that if you're not, 
as sad as I will be, I'm going to have to walk away because I cannot live in silence and in secrecy anymore. We have a right to live this life that we're building. And it's time for us to be clear about it with the people around us. And I was clear with them. I said, I'm not pushing you for an answer now. I'll give you a few days. And they were a very long few days. You and I were in contact then, Melanie, remember? That's right. I I do remember, yeah. I had said, this is very scary. And you had said, you remembered you lived something like this before too. But it was was not a choice. I couldn't keep living and burying it for myself. I couldn't. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting to see. And his pattern in the past was anything smaller, because this was very big. Um, if I was clear about it, he would come up to my level and honor it. So you had said, you know, he'll honor this, Lori. I wasn't completely convinced he would. Mm. Um, I, I, I was ready, hoping that he would, but I was ready either way. Um, and three days later, he called and he said he, he had spoken to his family and told them about us. And they were thrilled. They weren't entirely surprised. They figured something was going on. And they were very happy. And yes, please bring her to the funeral. And we'd love to meet her. And and that was it. You know, we've had Christmas together and other holidays. And everybody's happy now. And it was this huge relief that it was really the first time in my life that I had taken this big a stand. Where I, and I think the line you used, which is beautiful, was you have to... Um, risk it all to get it all. Absolutely. You have to put it all out there with the chance that the person will walk away and then he's not your truth. Um, But if you hadn't said anything, you wouldn't know that and you have to risk losing it all in order to get the truth and the life that you really want for yourself. And it was, it was such a huge relief to know that he had, he had done this. This wasn't easy for him, but Clearly losing me was, was big too. And, and he knew at some level that if we were going to continue to grow, he'd eventually have to tell them anyway. So, yeah, it was, it was a really beautiful stage. And we've talked about it since, how hard it was for both of us, but that we were closer afterwards because of it. And that's what authenticity does. You know, and you, everybody yeah, grows, everybody gets set free. And he could have chosen to come up and vibrate at that level of authenticity with you and openness or not. Well, and I knew that. I said, yeah. if he's not, then he's not ready to, but then he's not ready for the life that I want to live. That's either. right. And he's so not the I right partner. To, right. And he's not the right person. And I, I hoped that that wouldn't be the case, but it was time. It was time to continue to walk my truth. I couldn't not. Mm. Um, well, we pay did, we pay a horrible price when we don't, you yes, know. You, you we, do. I mean, I've I lived it for years, right? And there's no correct. way you can have that kind of a discussion with the narc. You know, I hearken back to even trying oh, for to, sure. first of, to first of all explain your truth. It was always, um, you know, I'm getting aggravated now. I don't want to discuss this anymore. The yes. conversation is over. Okay, what? I never, ever get that statement. I have a solid, loving um, honoring men who never moves when I get upset, and we all get upset. Sometimes I get of upset, of course, of course. Um, and in an adult way, and he doesn't move. You know, he doesn't leave the room, he doesn't leave the house, he doesn't take off. He listens, and regularly he'll say, "Okay, well, what do we need to do to make it better? What can I do differently to make it better?" Mm. And I'm thinking, God, you're taking responsibility mm. for for the behavior that you're showing. This is beautiful. Yes. It's just such a different experience. Yes. And, and that's what authenticity and taking responsibility for ourselves co-generates. 
you know, because oh. we've always got to remember, you know, and you went right back to that right at the start of your journey. You know, what is it about me that's choosing these men and choosing these relationships? And when you up-leveled your own level of responsibility and authenticity, then that's what you attract in the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... it's that's what you it's choose. Amazing, that's like, what manifest. you attract. Yep. And you know, when I go back to that list that I made through the um, Love Creation e-course and I read it, you know, he's he's a huge percentage of it. I'm thinking I, I manifested this. You, you know, I I made the list. I made it clear. I lived it. I, I walked as if it were already existing. I remember that was a stage in the course too. You know, you walk. I would walk to school every day thinking, okay, I'm already in this relationship. I don't know his name. <laughs> I don't know who he is yet. But I acted in my heart as though it already existed. And in oh. he came. A little faster than I expected. I was a little... So thrown, yeah. I thought, okay, well, wait a minute. I just wanted coffee. <laughs> really, I just wanted to have coffee with you. Oh no! Um, and I wanted to try on different sweaters. You know, I wanted to. Yeah. I mean, not literally. I wanted to have different coffee with different people and see if I was really making the right choice. But as you said, look, when you've done the work, you don't need all kinds of more tests. It's time now. Yeah. For it to happen, so it happened very quickly. You were right. And we are building a life and planning on, we try our own homes and we're planning on selling them and buying a home together within a year. Gorgeous. Um, which uh, we're both holding our breath a little bit about. We're both a little nervous about that because we're very independent, but we're excited and we we spend every weekend together with our children at alternate houses. It's It's really cool. Oh, it's, it's really beautiful. Cool. It's beautiful. Well, we're nearly out of time, Laurie. And, uh, you know, I just really hope that your story can really inspire other women, you know, that we can be in our 40s and broken and think it's all over, or 50s or 60s. I've actually got um, a gorgeous lady on NARP in her 70s that turned her oh, life good around. For her. Good for her. I That's know. Awesome. It's never too late. After four narcissistic marriages, she's oh, turned her life God around God. incredibly wow. with a gorgeous partner. And I know. So it's never, ever, 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 ever too late. So, Lori, no, we're always inside ourselves. You know, we're just waiting. To get yourself back is such a gift. And we were we were this way when we were little. You know, I said yeah. I wrote to you earlier today that this big brother of mine who who is so um protective and and was so skeptical of the narc said to me not long ago, you know, you're you're like you were when you were little now. Mm. You're yourself more than you ever were. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> pure of heart and fierce all at once. I thought that was, wow. Oh, I, I love said, that. Oh, I do. I, I feel like I'm a little girl again. You yeah. know that, 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 pure, that pure sense of self that you had when you were teeny running around the garden at home, Absolutely. jumping and rolling in the grass and, and free? That's what comes back when you peel away all the crud that's layering you. Cool, it's so it wonderful. You come back to you. And then it's fun to come home alone, I must say. As much as I love being with my honey, coming home alone is like heaven too. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Thank you for everything. You rock, Miss Melanie. You're awesome. Well, you rock too. And uh, what a beautiful co-creative journey we've had together. I just, I love it. The magic Melanie, I call you. You're awesome. Life changer. Well, (laughs) your life changed, Lori. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you are a light. You are a light. You know, thank oh, you so much yes. for joining in this show today. And I, I've just loved having you on. And I, I know you're going to inspire a lot of people, sweetie. So thank oh, you so much. Oh, my great pleasure. My great pleasure. It was great to tell the story and live it again. I hope that it lets other people know that it's available to them. Mm. Don't be afraid. Just go try it. It's it's awesomely waiting for you. All right, darling. Well, you have a lovely night. and thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye, down. Bye. Take care. Yeah, you too. You too. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that show. And, uh, and please know that we are going to have the blog article up. This was very, very much uh, free talking, so we might just have some points up rather than the full transcript. I'll see what we can do with that. And, uh, and please know that if you enjoy my radio shows and you want to know how you can not only survive but thrive after narcissistic abuse, just like myself and Laurie and thousands of people from 50 different countries worldwide, you can go to melanietoniaevans.com forward slash NARP, which is capital N-A-R-P. And I'll say that again. MelanieToniaEvans.com forward slash NARP where you can learn all about my energetic 10-step healing system which is specifically created for recovery from narcissistic abuse. So that's it for me everybody and lots of love and I'll be back next week. Bye-bye.